I love like the hubbub. Like I'm, there's a lot of hubbub out there and, and it's good. I, I have a lot ton of meetings. I'm at my desk frantically doing whatever. But I mean, the seniors who sit out on that bench, the ninth graders walking into Jenks's class or Jenks and Jake coming out with their mandolins and playing in the hallway. I mean, every day is different. And, and I get reminded that hubbub is what this place is about. It's not about all the meetings that happen in here or all the email that's filling up my, my inbox. It's about the magic of the relationships and the, the kids who, you know, come right. here every day. Thank goodness they come here every day and they are learning right there. Welcome to another episode of the Quaker Matters Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Wilmington Friends School's head of upper school, Rebecca Zug. Rebecca, how are you today? I am living the dream. Well, we are certainly glad that you are living the dream here. And today, I wanted to take some time and talk to you just about the wide variety of choices that upper school students here at Friends have and the various ways in which they can do everything and accomplish all that they you know, want to in their four years in upper school. Um, if we take a specific focus into academics, I think what WFS has to offer is special because you can really shape your own academic path. So I was just wondering... You know, between the IB program and the Malone School's online network, in your own words, how can students create their own academic path throughout their high school career? Those avenues create so many options for kids. I really like to say um, that it's almost as if no two schedules for juniors and seniors are alike. So, for instance, in the IB program, starting in junior year, you can pursue a computer science major, or you can double in our world languages, meaning that you could take French and Spanish, or Mandarin and French. You can double in um, us the sciences in taking our advanced chemistry or advanced physics. Um, and then with the Malone program, we have a student this year who's taking Arabic. Um, we've had students pursue ancient Greek as an additional language. They have semesters in economics, uh, in multivariable calculus. So there are ways that kids can really deepen an interest that they already have or try something new. Last year, we dedicated an entire podcast episode with Mike Benner talking about the various benefits of the IB program. So staying away from that and actually looking at the Malone School's online network, what benefits students the most by taking a major class in this format through the Malone School's online network? I don't think kids fully appreciate what it, how exciting it is to really take sort of a college level seminar with students from all over the country. So they are, they are in a synchronous class with a teacher who's really able through that method, that synchronous method, to build community and rapport and, and group commitments from all the students. And these 10 students are from California and Oklahoma and New Jersey and Washington, D.C. And they are building this community of learning, of scholarship together. 
And when I say a college format, it's um, it really has kids because they only meet twice a week and they're expected to do five to ten hours of work. Um, it it it's teaching them that in the importance of the independent reading, the preparation for class that sets them up for the the college experience when they're officially there. And we know too that when they get to college, they can run into someone from their Malone class that they've never met in person, because they've had this whole you know online relationship through the the MSON course, and and they are just joyful to finally get to um, actually commune with that person. In addition to being the first school in Delaware authorized to participate in the IB program. Wilmington Friends was also the first high school in Delaware accepted as a member of the School Year Abroad Consortium, a national group of leading independent schools with a commitment to international education. Why was this decision made? The former head of school and I had come from Sidwell Friends, which has a very deep commitment to School Year Abroad, and I think that probably impacted our, like, our experience with the students that have done that program is they bring back this sort of international mindedness, this global mindset that um, enriches the community in profound ways you might not even expect. And so being an IB school, um, it made sense to join SYA and commit to sending one or two students every year because those students gain so much in sort of a global perspective and, and, and you know, learning in another community and then they return and they bring that international mindedness back to our classrooms and just it made sense for us to add that aspect to our program. Can you maybe share an example of this international mindset that they like bring back after having been abroad for a year? I'm thinking of students who um, have just learned how to be more independent, take more intellectual risk, who come back and will end up doing um, a job outside of school or taking an internship or, or going further with their scholarship through the, um, their academics through the University of Delaware because they have this confidence in what they can do. So they um, go out and make connections in our local community to, because they have been doing that in France or in Spain, they have turned their learning into action in those countries through those programs. So they come back and it's just a natural outgrowth that they continue to pursue those avenues. Turning the page to the Quest Scholars Program, why was that program established in 2009? Quest, the idea, original idea of Quest was to bring together all these threads that really are part of being a Quaker school. So how do we really lift up international mindedness? How do we lift up service? How do we lift up our, our commitment to equity, inclusion, and belonging? And, and was there a place where students could really do a deep dive into those interests? Um, we had a big ideas speaker for many years that was, you know, a writer or a scientist or, or an, um, we had Sweet Honey in the Rock one year. Um, we had Ibu Patel uh, one year everyone in the community invited and it was supposed to really try and lift up the way in which these these elements truly of, of, a, of a Quaker school are we are seeing that in how people let their lives speak. 
Um, it's since become really more of a commitment to service learning, and so now we have um, Quest scholars who are students who've decided to really pursue a question around, say, like um, food deserts or food inequity, or um, I, how do sports promote uh, advance opportunity or teach, um, help underserved communities develop more opportunities. We, and related, we then do trips, in, mostly in the summer, but sometimes over spring break, where we are sort of witnessing and exploring one of these kind of questions. Recently, we've gone to El Paso to really witness the complexity of, the immigra of um, immigration and talk to Border Patrol and, and gone to court to see court hearings for those who've crossed the, the border illegally. Um, we've, you know, visited a homeless shelter or talked to churches on the border and how they try and both, you know, to listen to all sides. Um, we've sent a trip to South Africa to really fully try and immerse the students in the ideas of, of post-apartheid South Africa and, and what are the, the challenges and opportunities in, in that country. Um, we're sending a trip to the Dominican Republic. This will be our fourth or fifth time doing that trip where we have students with the um, Dominican Dream Project uh, run a literacy camp for students in um, the Islabon neighborhood outside of um, Puerto Plata. So it's become more of a like a deep dive into service learning than sort of all those things because really it turns out that's just what being a Quaker school is. Each senior must complete what we call a senior exploration before they graduate. What is a senior exploration and why is it so important for seniors to have this opportunity? You know, wise faculty, way before my time came up with this idea, um, students are ready to launch to the next phase and this is a wonderful transition. It helps them pursue a question that can't be answered in the classroom. Um, and they are given choice, which is, in, you know, so often in high school they feel like they have so few choices, and this is their opportunity. What is, what do I want to pursue? Do I want to do an internship um, with a medical facility? Do I want to shadow the mayor of Wilmington? Do I want to compose and record five songs with three friends? Do I want to learn fly fishing technique and try it on five different rivers? It really is about how they, what is the essential question that they want to answer, and they get to come up with their plan. They have an advisor here on campus. They have an outside mentor, which is a great way that we bring in our alumni and our local leaders um, who can really shepherd these students in, in how a career might look, or what it would mean to do extended service in this area. It, it really gives back. It's, it's so multifaceted, and we find that the, the seniors get so much out of it, and that the um, mentors in the com community learn a lot as well. I know something that you love to teach is the Theory of Knowledge course. What is this course? And why do you find it so impactful? The course is at the center of the IB diploma, and the students take it over two years, and it, it asks them to really reflect on what is knowledge and where does it come from? How do we validate knowledge? Um, how do we create it? 
in, in different disciplines. What does it look like in math versus the arts? Um, what does it look like in history versus the natural sciences? So it, it has philosophy in it, but at the end of the day, it is really a seminar course where students, we are all sitting around a table bringing in examples from the classes they're taking or from their outside reading, or I'm introducing an article or a short video, all around this sort of study of what is the methodology of creating knowledge and how do we know when we truly have, have found some truth. I find it impactful because students go out into the world more aware of how they learn and what is the importance of understanding sources and being both appreciative of experts and also health, having a healthy skepticism for expertise. And when is it that you need training and background in order to create knowledge? And when is it important to recognize that a beginner has just as much of an ability to contribute as someone who's been doing, practicing a discipline for years? And after wrestling with these topics for a year and a half, close to two years, what is the culminating project that students work on for Theory of Knowledge? They write a, a, an essay at the end of the course, and they're doing that right now. Um, one of the essays is they have to explore to what degree is replicability necessary in the creation of knowledge. It's an interesting one. It's not always necessary in the arts. Sometimes the original is the most valuable. But sometimes when you do a performance, every time you do it again, you're creating new knowledge. And on the other hand, in the sciences, replication creates validity. That's how we really can, can narrow down on, on what is truth. On the other hand, if you always repeat, you can never be open to new knowledge. And paradigm shifts in science have always been when someone's tried something different or, or mixed things together in a more original way. So they're doing things that I never thought about at the high school level. And they take that and go out into the world. And I mean, they bring that to their college courses, to their professional lives, to the dinner table, to their summer job. And, and they are in innumerable ways just more aware of where knowledge comes from, how do they validate what they consider to be truth. This might be an impossible question to answer, but in hearing you speak really passionately about the course and what it can offer students and how they can impact others, have you or do you have a favorite moment or just one that maybe sticks out more than most? It, it, that is hard. I mean, it, it, to me, the, the aha moments are, are many. When I, I see students really bringing in ideas from their math class and their art class and you see the synthesis, the sort of light bulb go on of like, oh wow, these both, there's truth in both of these, but it means different things in each discipline. Uh, the jokes we can, we can create, I mean, they, um, it depends on what lands well in different classes. They're my, um, class in 2017 they just love this video uh, music video called the scoreboard and they just wanted to play it all the time because it, it had meaning in the arts but it was also about their whole IB experience it became sort of their mantra for the whole you know their whole year 
So it's it's about the community, I would say, not just about the specific example. Transitioning here a little bit from academics to clubs and committees here at Friends, we have over 50 clubs that meet on various days throughout the week from robotics to the stock market club to the service committee club. The most interesting part to me as an observer, though, is that these clubs are created and led by students with some faculty supervision as each club is given a faculty advisor. Why is this, having these clubs be student-led and student-run, such an important part of the upper school club experience? We believe students learn a lot about leadership and the, and the ability, the skillful ability to organize and manage, to uh, have intrinsic motivation when, when these clubs are really theirs. We are there to support to give them the parameters, to help drive the van, <laughs> to get the money box for the bake sale uh, or the, you know the fundraiser, to ask them the right questions. But when the motivation is, is when they have to lead it, it's way more authentic. It's not a teacher's pet project or here we go, we got to do this again, Science Olympiad. It's what is this passion that you have for, um, you know, every year, for instance, we have students who want to support the Be Positive organization. They, they every year they do it in a different way. So they, they know we, we have, we support them, we will give them the ability to fundraise, to raise awareness, but it's on them to think about how they want to do that. And, they, and it's leadership skills. There are so many options for students and their families to choose from, as we have discussed here. What do you tell students and families who might be worried about not having enough time to be able to tackle everything that they'd like to? Well, I will say, like, we are not perfect. Our schedule, however, tries to find this balance. So, for instance, we know that some kids, they do will need to make choices. They can't do everything and so they get advised through the advising program um, through their teachers you know how to try some things in ninth and tenth grade and then sort of deepen and figure out what your passions are in eleventh and twelfth grade but we um, a lot of our clubs meet at lunch not after school so that means that they're available and they're and almost all of them are open to anyone and and only if they're sort of preparing for a competition do they sort of close ranks. <laughs> but so at any time a student can decide, you know what, I am interested in chess, so I'm going to go to the chess club. They, they could decide that in April. They don't need to decide that in September. There are also aspects of our schedule where we do allow kids to try as much as they can. So for instance, robotics meets on Sundays so that athletes who are playing games on Saturdays can attend. And our musical and our play rehearse after sports. We don't make kids choose. And, and thank goodness, because we love seeing our football players on stage. Um, and our coaches love coming and seeing our, you know, our athletes in a robotics competition or see them, you know, singing in the, in the choir concert or playing the trombone. So we do sort of um, 
we try and give kids the opportunity to do a lot of things through our schedule, but we also talk to them about it's okay. You're not high school is not the place where you have to do everything. You can go to college and still try lots of things. You don't need to do it all right now. What do you enjoy most about your work as the head of upper school here at Friends? Bottom line is what fills my tank is is sort of being adjacent and, and with teenagers all day long. I don't want to be a teenager, <laughs> but I find being with them on this journey so uh, inspiring. They are creative. They are thoughtful. They are constantly surprising me. Um, they are funny. They are caring. And I love helping them in that way. Primarily my job is hiring and retaining the teachers who do that work closest with students. And so to the degree that I can hire and retain the very best faculty and staff possible, that is the best part of my job. In terms of the faculty that is here supporting our students in their numerous endeavors on a day-to-day -day basis, in what ways might you be inspired when you observe all that our faculty does to help support our students? I, every day, I learn something new from one of my colleagues. And I sit here, have monthly meetings with every single teacher. Um, when we're talking about pedagogy, when I'm talking about something I've seen in the classroom, when they're asking me about something for theory of knowledge, we, we are having this sort of dialogue about how to reach kids and help them the best. Our teachers are doing a magical job. It's incredibly hard what they do, but every single one of them cares about these students, wants each one of them to be the best they can, and that is inspiring. We will transition here to our Mad Minute segment. Just some rapid fire questions to help us get to know you a little bit better. First question, favorite spot on the Wilmington Friends School campus? I would say the Arches greeting students every morning, Thursday mornings. Um, what is your favorite song? Um, the scoreboard. That's what I'm thinking of right now. Favorite food? Uh, spring rolls. Favorite movie? When Harry Met Sally. I gave that already. I know, but not I every not everybody already. watched the not everybody watched the reel. Um, we will transition to our Ring the Bell segment, and these questions, folks, do not know the answers to. Um, so my first question is. What do you want your legacy to be? Or another way to look at this is, what do you hope students say about you after they have graduated from Friends? I was accessible. I saw their light. I provided an environment that was, and they won't say this, but <laughs> high support and high challenge. And then last one is, what is your why? I seek to create a community where everyone lets their life speak. 